Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Joining me this evening, uh, I've got old friend and uh, classmate uh, that I've known since high school, about 10 years or so at this point. Um, well, no, whack. We've known each other for a whole decade, which is just so whack, but it's great to have her here to catch up. Talk about what we're doing with our lives, reflect a little bit, and uh, drink some booze. Uh, Laura Hayes, the Lar Bar, welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. Has it been a while since you've heard that one? Yeah, really. Only like people from high school referred to me as Lar Bar. Never really caught on in college, which I can't. I can't say I'm upset about, but I I do. I do love it from a good health flow. It is a real. it is a real like high school nickname. I feel wasn't that like your wasn't that your like instant name for a while? That yeah. was my name on everything. Like, yeah, was, <laughs> everything was Larbar. <laughs> well, Lar, we're bringing it back tonight, baby. Laura, bring it back. <laughs> Laura, how the hell are you? Ben. I am doing fantastic, actually, and it it feels good to to report that. Um, I feel like every week is a different week here in this crazy year of 2020, um, and I have I've just I felt a, a sense of peace this week, which is nice to come into. Um, so today I'm good. Good. We'd yeah. Love to hear that for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. What uh. What. What like uh, set in the peacefulness this week? Um, well, I think there are a couple things that add to it. Um, I guess the most recent thing, um, this weekend there was this event at Ravislow Country Club, um, which is in Homewood, which is Homewood Falls, part of our hometown. It's a place I I have not heard said out loud in so long. (laughs) I know. Um, so I heard through, um, a friend who has recently gotten a couple yoga certifications and is trying to just up her practice with teaching. Um, she's been doing a few like free classes and she was part of this event. Um, I should actually know the name of it, but I don't remember it. It was something like We Union or something like that. Um, and the purpose of it was to just find a place of comfortability, 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 there it is, and vulnerability within your community. So it was like very um, set in like meditation and yoga and sound healing and all these different events. Um, That was all about just like opening your heart and sharing this space with people who are familiar with the space of Homewood or maybe they're new to it too. Um, And it was the first time I had gone to an event like that and it I feel like it really set the tone for my week. So I feel like I'm still on the the high of that. That was just on Saturday. Um, So that is definitely playing a role in it. Um, some things have been reconstructed, I guess, at work. Um, I'm currently working as a therapist at a hospital and through the pandemic, we have gone through many changes, um, (laughs) as literally every part of everybody's life has gone through much changes. Um, but towards the beginning, um, and really until the last month, 
Um, we were, it kind of felt like we were just trying to stay afloat. Um, and in the last month, I've been able to find the confidence to kind of voice that, hey, like, I need some support too. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So they have done just a really good job of restructuring some things to make sure that we as therapists are getting the support that we need to, to be able to continue to pour into our patients the way that, you know, we love to do and continue to do. Um, so I've, I've really noticed um, significant change um, in that in the last, I would say the last week or so. Um, usually I was coming home from work just like, oh God, how am I going to do my own self-care and then go back and keep right. preaching? Um, but, uh, the last few weeks have made it a lot easier to come home and really unplug because I'm feeling that support at work and I'm happy for the end of the day, but I'm also happy at the start of the day too, which is making a little of a difference. Um, Yeah, well, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that, uh, you've, uh, that you're, uh, coming off a spiritual awakening. Uh, always good to have at the top of the week because um, it does set the energy for the week you're going to have um, for sure. And yeah, therapists need therapy. Therapists. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like you think about that a lot. Like who does a therapist tell about their problems? You like oh you wonder that when you're sitting in the office. And, yeah, uh, and for sure. Actually, my, my patients even, like, ask me that, which is, I think, part of my own therapeutic process. Like, conducting therapy is very therapeutic. Um, I got into the mental health field because of the power of human connection. Um, so that right. definitely keeps me, me sane. But I know as a therapist, we're all pretty swamped right now. So about a month ago, I reached out to a few places to see if they have any openings because I, you know, I got, I got my own, my own ish to deal with too. I'm <laughs> um, just so tired. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, exactly. Um, but I haven't Man. had much luck with that. Um, but I, I have finally like made the effort to do, which has been the first time since I became a therapist. So I'm... I'm proud of myself for, for taking that step at least. It hasn't led anywhere, but we're feeling better already. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. And, uh, proud of you for, uh, for, for, you know, keeping yourself in check. Um, because Lord knows this year has disturbed our spirits a lot and uh, continues to, um, I was just telling you a little bit before we started recording that, I've been having a rough week myself. Um, I'm on like the tail end of this like um, batch of episodes uh, before I take a little hiatus uh, after October. And uh, I'm trying to cram so much in the la- these next couple of weeks, but it's at the peak of right now, a bit of a, um, you know, uprising going on in Milwaukee uh, this week. Um, the group I organized with, the Party for Socialism and Liberation, is uh, we had some comrades out in the streets last night protesting the um, the murder of Alvin Cole at, by a police officer um, who also took, killed two other teenagers like in years past. So this is his third person he was killed and then let off the hook for 
Um, yeah, awful. Just a lot going on that's really heavy on the soul. Um, and uh, it's like every week just piles on to the, the last week, you know? There's so much heaviness and despair going on that is just contributing to so much despondency. And, uh, like, I feel like we could write volumes on all the emotions we're feeling in 2020. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. They're tough yeah. feels to feel, but, you know, they're important to feel. And they help lead us to our next action. And I, I think 2020 started with the energy of, like, I remember December and January, everybody was like, 2020 is the year. Like, everybody we're gonna, we're gonna pop off and shit. Yeah, like, we were, we were truly, like, we were, I feel like, I don't know if it was the turn of the decade, or 2020 is just, like, it, it looks like a cool year, you know, we've made it to the future, or whatever, and everyone was just, like, on that same vibe, and 2020 welcomed us with, uh, so many things that for, for me personally, um, I haven't personally been affected by COVID in the sense of like, I don't have anybody who, you know, um, has contracted it. I don't know anybody who's contracted it or, you know, died from it or, um, and I haven't lost my job. I've been very fortunate through it all. Um, but I know it's, it's not as easy for majority of the people. Um, and I feel like 2020 is just proving to us like the importance of coming in with that headstrong energy of, you know, like we really, we don't know what's going to happen and we have to be able to, to get through it. And maybe what has happened to each of us individually and as a whole isn't okay. But I think that if we connect with ourselves and we come together, that it, it will be okay. And, Part of that is feeling all of these outrageous emotions, even if they're uncomfortable and sucky and overwhelming and all the things. Um, but they do lead us into, you know, whatever's next. And yeah. Hey, that's some that's good. Uh, that's some good therapist verbiage. For <laughs> like I do um, for or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, hell yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, and uh, I think uh, important. Uh, takeaway from that is yeah to lean into what you're feeling um you know obviously be be responsible with your emotions you know don't externalize it on other people or don't externalize it onto yourself more importantly like don't you know don't project those feelings onto your own like self-image or self-esteem or you yeah. know you're only human and you can only um, feel so much before you just shut down. And uh, um, I know I've emotionally shut down more than I think I ever have um, in just the last couple months. Um, so that reminds me, I should probably book another appointment with my therapist. <laughs> I should probably hit him up and be like, Doc, um, I'm a nope. uh, Yeah. What's poppin' Doc? <laughs> yeah. I'm melting right now. Uh, <laughs> come save me. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, but, well, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But, Laura, to start, uh, well, I guess to continue, uh, <laughs> what, 
what uh what'd you do today how was your day today um my day was it was stellar i would say and that has been a, a frequent word in my vocab lately um good word go through trends of words has <laughs> yeah. come to the mind a lot um yeah. i had so i've been working at the hospital that i'm working at since last june um and we finally just today got around to my first annual review um which was pretty cool i've never um had an annual review at at any job um so i was feeling really just a sense of pride for um making it to an annual review. This is my first career job. You know, I've had like waitressing and retail and babysitting jobs, none that really like require an annual review. Um, so I was just feeling a sense of pride today for, for making it to that point in um, this job. And it, it, it went great. Um, there wasn't it just it went great I was really nervous going into it um just because it was um my first one and the unknown is always scary 2020 has done a great job of highlighting that <laughs> um but it went better than I could have expected and my my boss just really praised me for a lot of just just a lot of things um which was really it was nice to hear and nice to be seen and nice right. to be acknowledged for the hard work that I do feel like I'm doing and um so yeah that was my my day started with that review and continued this stellar vibe that I've been on <laughs> um right. this week and last week um and yeah the the therapy day was pretty light um, I work predominantly with high school aged kids or grade seven through 12. Um, and I lead an intensive outpatient program at the hospital. Um, so intensive outpatient is kind of like a step down from inpatient psych. Um, so after you're discharged from inpatient or maybe you don't quite meet criteria to, you know, need an inpatient stay, um, more often than not, they're referred to my program, um, which they stay in for anywhere from like two to eight weeks, depending on what their needs are and what they're working on and how they're progressing, um, which we, we do a lot of work on just like processing through some of the emotions that we're feeling, processing through some of the events that are occurring within us. Um, learning coping skills on how to how to balance all of it um, and so the group is all adolescents um, and then I also have um, my individual caseload which goes up to it's from age like 14 to 28 um, and in individual therapy we're able to get more uh, I guess just personal they're able to really work through those things um, but sometimes um, with the intensive level of care, it is indeed intense. Um, and these kids, you know, having to transition from their typical high school experience, which for some people is really terrible, but for other people, it's really wonderful. And something that they all have in common is that it gives them a reason to get out of their house, to be around kids their age. Um, and that social environment has just been totally swept from underneath their feet. Um, which has led to a lot of loneliness, which is a very dangerous feeling to feel 
Um, not that it's not valid, um, but if it's felt for too long, it can it can lead to some pretty dark spaces in the mind. Um, and definitely through COVID, we have we've seen a lot of that. Um, kind of other people who are watching this who are in the mental health field. I don't I I don't ever joke about um, mental health or the topic of suicide or having thoughts of just not wanting to be on this planet anymore. But there was nobody this week so far who has wanted to kill themselves. Um, and I, I say that lightly, like as a therapist who, you know, um, is dealing with this on a very regular basis. But that oh. it's it's been a it's been a good week, um, at least for balancing it all. Um, totally. Well, I think that, I think that like, that is, it, that's almost like the only acceptable context, context you would have to, to say that. And uh, yeah. like, and that is a great thing. I mean, it's great <laughs> that, you know, there is this week, everyone felt a sense of belonging and, uh, one with the world and um yeah and like you said i mean that is um you know i mean you named a, a wide variety of uh a wide range of ages there but no matter no matter the place in your life you're in i mean everyone does deserve that um everyone deserves to feel like alive in that sense that like they are seen and heard and that like the world does care about them the world does want them here and i i feel like i experienced that when i was in inpatient and outpatient um three and a half years ago now um how being in people that were in similar dark spaces like being amongst them i mean it it does I, i'm not gonna lie it, it does uh sort of um cultivate some humorisms between the group where we're talking about just how like messed up we are and shit and you start finding like little you, you find some humor in the situation and I, I and that's something that my father really instilled in me um like growing up to just try to make humor in every situation something my family's always been really good at and that i'm very proud of that mm. trait is that if you can find something to like you know, add some lightheartedness to even the worst situation that you're going through, then it makes it a little less dreadful. And being with folks that also had such a sense of um, detachment or disconnectedness, like you find community in that uh, just by default, hopefully yeah. at least, you know? Right, that's the goal, right? You see that and you're like, you know what? Like. Maybe uh, I'm just so trapped in my mind, like, I don't realize, like, there are other people that feel this darkness, and yeah. darkness loves company. It really does. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Ben, because that is, like, I guess I'm glad you said it because it isn't you just saying it. Like, that is such a, a key part of your character i know we haven't hung out you know since high school but yeah that is just always how i've remembered you and how i've thought of you is you do just have like this passion within you to find the light in every situation um and then to have followed you on social media through all, all these years and for you to be so open and honest about it all it's like wow like he you have been able 
to not only find the light, but share the light, like no matter how dark it may have felt for you. And I think that's really beautiful. And I just, I really have always appreciated your character in my life and oh, presence you, on social media. And oh, thank you, Laura. Always so true to yourself, Ben. Oh my God, Laura. Laura, stop. <laughs> stop it, you're killing me, Laura. <laughs> right in the chest. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. I, I appreciate that. And and that's something that, you know, that's that's sort of like the, a, a really core thing of like why I do this show is because like is you know, to to share the heart of life with those around you and learn their story and learn learn like what makes them tick and learn like what they what they go through and what keeps them going and doing so will it continues uh teaching you like new things about yourself and uh, how you look at the world but what you have to say might teach somebody else something um yep. and that's why i really take a lot of um pride in this platform and um just how much I've learned from it, um, having so many different kinds of people here. Um, sure. So Laura, it's a strangely good segue to, uh, do you remember when we first met each other? Um, <laughs> I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I do, but okay. 10 years does get blurry. Right, I know it was either in broadcasting class or English class. Wrong. Or wrong <gasps> it was at your house for a green a greenhouse party or something what was it no it was like it was that summer between eighth grade and high school when uh, i knew a couple homewood people um it was that weird transition period of like the parker kids meeting the james hart kids and all yeah. hanging out for the first time Right. And I think it was at like Homewood Days or some shit. <laughs> yeah. And um you know, meet all these new kids. And uh like it's a lot to take in because our high school is so big. And right. uh, yeah, and it's like, oh well, these are the people we're gonna have classes with, so we might right. as well and we were funneled from like the rival middle schools right yeah so, like, it was it was a rival class, thing class yeah. Yeah. Like, oh okay now we're supposed to all be friends and come together as one which you know, yeah was a big deal in my own life that rival shit is, that was so real like right. <laughs> homewood flossmore but because <laughs> we you guys were always just the homewood kids and but now it's like oh I live in Wisconsin, and it, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and the world just gets exponentially bigger from that point on. Um, but yeah, we did have class um, many times uh, in those four years. Broadcasting, probably the the biggest one. Sure. Um, man, um, can we talk about uh, the VBC and? Just how rich an experience that was. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Rich in experience. 
especially you know since we were we were the year that had ski for the first time shout out ski yeah. if you're watching this <laughs> i don't i don't think he's gonna watch this <laughs> good <laughs> He's, he's not gonna watch it he's not gonna watch it because i made it <laughs> ah, because i'm on it <laughs> because, because it's me yeah. yeah oh my gosh oh ski yeah but our freshman year like that was also ski's first year so we were like his babies and then the entire broadcasting department got this whole revamp and we got to be a part of the foundation of that and really break it in and we saw the studio get literally knocked down and built back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were also the first year that had to do both a music video and a documentary which i think are both of those things were very just foundational in my own development and oh yeah what was uh what was the song you did your music video to? Oh my god i did the i did the uh the glee version of forget you oh my gosh <laughs> you mean you mean you mean fuck you yes i didn't know if i could say that on the show then oh you <laughs> can swear you can also the song was forget you because it was glee and it was you know high school broadcasting you're so, such a gleek right <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, my music video takes the shadow to um, the doc that I made, which ended up getting third place in our class, which was pretty cool. I still have the plaque, um, awesome. but it was on the effects of social media and on body image and how our body image is really our, our worst enemy. And if we don't think positively about ourselves and it, it limits us in every sense of the way yeah and just last month this month i don't even know there was a documentary released on netflix called the social dilemma and it was like yeah. it was the documentary i'd been waiting for it was kind of a doc that i was it was the information at least parts of it of what i was going for in my documentary as you know what we were 15 or 16 when we made those docs um and it it was watching it it just reminded me so much of my own doc and validated me in a lot of ways of like yeah 15 year old Laura knew what she was talking about yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. no I was gonna say like isn't that wouldn't isn't that wild to think about like when you fucked on that and its relevance today and how much that just ballooned into an even bigger thing especially with like Instagram Sure. Um, and social media influencer yeah, absolutely like, that only became a bigger issue since then right sure. and that's the thing like that's what they say like it is just going to continue to become a bigger issue and i personally um it's funny like how it all uh worked out because it was the doc was very centered on um like body image, I, I interviewed a former model and a plastic surgeon and someone with an eating disorder and the, the parent of someone with an eating disorder. Um, and my 2019 New Year's resolution, which I think was the first time I actually like had a resolution and, and went through with it, um, was to delete all of my social media because at the time I was really struggling with disordered eating. Um, and I knew that you know, I got a Facebook in seventh grade and in 2019, that was like my 10th year on social media. And I was like, wow, that's almost half of my life. I don't even know my life without it. 
Um, so trying to, I guess, go through my own mental wellness journey. Um, I deleted all my social media and saw what it did for me. And it was a year completely disconnected um, from social media, which was at times it, it definitely, I felt the disconnect, um, but it made room for me to connect with myself in a way that was um, uplifting and That's not great. connecting with myself in like a criticizing and comparative way. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like seeing that, that social dilemma documentary re released um, and also re-downloading Instagram this year to foster a sense of connection now that I'm feeling a little bit healthier and more in tune with myself. It's just felt like very full circle. Like I said, like 2020, I know has come with a lot of trials and tribulations for everybody around the world. But I feel like in, in many ways, I've, I've been very blessed and have continued my own growth. And I think that has been a, it's just felt like a full circle. Year oh, yeah. Me. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, yeah. that's great. Like, I'm glad you could uh, recognize the um, just sort of like the implications of social media, like for yourself and uh, evaluating that in a healthy way and uh, yeah like ultimately um you know being able to like listen to your spirit going back to what we were saying earlier about like what you needed for yourself and that's great that's something that i i can't fucking i can't stay off social media and it kills me man like oh, and, man I Right? I, I knew I couldn't. So it was just like cold turkey. Like I completely yeah. erased my profiles. Didn't just, you know, delete the apps because I knew I'd be tempted to go back to it. Um, yeah. So I completely erased my profiles and golly, whoa, it was life changing. Yeah. I recommend yeah. everybody at least a month or something. <laughs> yeah. Or at least like just moderating just your daily consumption. Yeah, um, and really, like, the thing that did it for me, when the, the Apple update came out with the screen time, at that time, I was a full-time student, I had a almost full-time unpaid internship, I was working two part-time jobs to make up for the unpaidness of the internship, and to get myself through college, and all the things, and I, I had a lot of support from my parents, which I am very grateful for, and I know a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, like, I don't know, it was, it was, it, seeing that I was on my phone for what? I think I was clocking in at like 10, 11 hours a day. I was like, what the, how, how, what am I, am I learning anything in school? Am I participating in my internship? Like, when am I not on my phone if that's how often I'm on it? And then I was like, and what am I even like doing? It was just like mindless, like trying to manage my, cause I, at one point in my life I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And I think like the attachment to the phone was like, it felt very repetitive and it was, I was able to just kind of like sit there and be like, I'm scrolling and I'm not even like paying attention to what I'm looking at because my mind is racing so much, but that gave me a sense of like, I don't know. I was, I was fully addicted to it. And I feel like now I have a, a new, a, a rebirth of my relationship with social media. And that comes from the, the newfound relationship that I have with myself. 
um, which is very much so rooted in the relationships that I have with other people. And it's all just, it's all just full circle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, and that goes back to like the relationship with yourself is indicative of the relationship you'll have with your family, with your friends, with your significant other, with everybody. your workplace, with really everybody, every, every aspect. So yep. that is kind of like, we talk a lot of like you, you cops and politics a lot these days, like addressing like the root cause, you know, and mm-hmm. not attacking the symptom, but attacking the, you know, the Ooh. foundation. Um, yeah. So the same way applies to when you're addressing the, the peace in your life, you ultimately have to make peace with yourself before you do with anything else, you know, forgiving yourself and, uh, and others. For, yeah, and yeah, and others, and you know, learning how to compartmentalize and address all of those negative emotions, like sure. one by one or incrementally, even rather than just like you know, trying to uh, um, trying to grab at all of them at once, which I've definitely done in the past, and uh, it would you know eat me alive. So, yeah. um. And that's actually a good, um, another good time to bring up um, another thing we did together in high school, which was snowball. Snowball! (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I still still can't hear uh, Home by Philip Phillips. I still can't, (laughs) I still can't fucking hear it to this day. Immediate tears. <laughs> How many years did you end up doing it, Laura? Oh, wow. Um, the first year I did it was in Snow Flurry. I was in... Oh, yeah. Grade. I did Snow Flurry in fifth grade, I remember. Yep. So I did Snow Flurry. For those of you who are not part of the HF community, Snowball is just this kind of um, community of caring. Um, it is really a program which was kind of the big event of it was for fifth and sixth grade it was a like a half day event for seventh and eighth grade so it was snow flurry for fifth and sixth seventh and eighth was snowflake and it was a full day event and then once you got to high school it was like this full retreat weekend you went and stayed at a camp in a cabin um you know that i looked it up there's actually an operation blizzard for adults why have i never heard of this yeah no i legit looked it up there is it's a thing i don't know like i don't know if it's nearly as much of a thing as snowball is but there is a blizzard and it's for for, like older people yeah yeah i love that but yeah it's just this community of caring for it for me it really just fostered that sense of human connection and you know show up as you are and just perfectly as you are even if you feel like you're weird or awkward or you don't fit in like the operation snowball was a place for everybody um and that is just really foundational in in who i am as as a person today and what i've chosen to do with my career and everything um but my first year wasn't in sixth grade in snow flurry and then i went back in eighth grade in snowflake and then i did all four years of snowball in high school um the first two years i was a participant 
my junior year, I was a small group leader, um, which is, you know, you're one of the, um, there's a whole bunch of different small groups. Every, everybody in the camp is um, kind of divvied up into these little groups and there's an adult leader and a team leader. Um, so my junior year, I was a small group leader. And then my senior year, I landed a spot as one of the directors, which that year, I think there were six of us, five or six of us. Um, and then I went back my, I was supposed to do, um, support staff, which is once you graduate and then you're in college, you come back and help with it and just really set the tone for all of these kids and play as a, a positive role model. Um, I went to school in South Carolina, so making the meetings as a freshman just wasn't possible. Um, but then that one year without it, I was like, oh my God, I need it. I ended up showing up to just be a, a helper for the weekend. Um, and then I was on support staff my sophomore year. And then my junior year, I got a little bit too honest on my application. I was fully intending continuing doing it like throughout college. Um, but God forbid you drink a beer, smoke a, smoke a joint. They, they don't. Which they don't. I will unapologetically say on this show that that is kind of bullshit the way uh, they <laughs> I get it. I get it, right? Yeah. Because like, kids but in high school adult, thought that like if, what you sh should do to cope with things or that it's an okay thing to do. But, um, but I also learned from this program the importance of trust and honesty and vulnerability. And I thought since yeah. I had had such a deep connection with not just the people that I went through it with as you know, the teens that I went through with that I yeah. was on staff, so the higher ups and the teachers and the directors and everything. I thought it was okay for me to like, be honest, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm in college. I, in, in school in the SEC, I, I party. <laughs> like, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't welcomed back that year, which was, uh, it, it took it, my self-esteem took a big hit because of that. Um, and I just felt really rejected. And I was like, am I in, you know, at that point I was a social work major um, studying to become a therapist. And I was and this, the program is very social work based, very therapy based. And I was like, wow, if I'm not even good enough for snowball, am I, am I, am I good enough to do this kind of work? Um, but yeah, the logistics of it, um, it, it, not like I guess having to be disconnected from snowball since I didn't make it um, helped me find my own passion and I'm still like I I have no hard feelings against the, the snowball program right um and it is still yeah. very you know I, I feel like I live true to the snowball values um I saw sure. as a community of caring whereas I guess it originated as like a drug and alcohol prevention program um, which is why they were so strict on on all of those things but yeah so yeah. we will talk more about that in a bit sure. um, about sort of just the gripes with that whole system and whatever but i wanted to share a little bit of my uh experience with the program yeah i began in fifth grade with snow flurry um and um I remember like I just did it with a couple of my friends that were in my class and we had fun. Um, it is, I guess, fun for an 11 year old, um, <laughs> you know, five year old too. Right. Yeah. 2007, baby. Um, yeah. And then I never did snowflake. 
And then I didn't do snowball freshman year, but I remember um, was just close with some people that um, were really into snowball after doing it like the first year and were like, oh, you definitely, you should do it. And I gave it thought, but then it really took having Comstock as a teacher. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, good old Bob. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bob for sure. But he, you know, I was going through a really rough time sophomore year of high school. Um, I just was having a lot of trouble with like personal issues and friend issues and stuff like that. It was just, it was a tumultuous time. And he convinced me, like, I remember like I would stay after school to edit the doc. Um, and I would have a lot of like, you know, heart to hearts with him. And I'd be telling him like, yeah, uh, I'm not doing so well right now. And, uh, I'm just kind of having trouble, like, you know, kind of finding out who I am. And he was like, you should definitely go to Snowball. You you would really be, like, perfect for it. Mm-hmm. So I went. And, uh, man, that weekend was such a breath, breath of fresh air, like, at the time. And I did love it. And... Uh, the following year, I loved it. I remember I loved it so much that the following year, I got all my friends to go. Like, that was the year when Aaron and yes. Nick and Kyle and, like, uh, Nick Emmerich and uh, um, all of those guys. Oh, Dodd was there. Jameson was wow. there. Wow. Yeah, they did do Snowball. Whoa. Yeah. And we had the most stacked cabin, I remember. Yes. Like, I was, yeah, like, because. Um, or cabin do. <laughs> yeah. We were in, um, we were in, like, because Ashelman, shout out to Jesse, by the way. Yeah, just out. Just out. Um, but we were in Ashelman's cabin. I remember, like, he was like, I got you, dude. And, like, got all of our friends in our cabin. And it, <laughs> it was awesome. We had the best time. Yeah, um, for sure. And having all my f- close friends there made it even better. That was, like, one of the best weekends of my life to this day because, yeah. like, I got to bring all of the people that, like, I cared about and loved so much into that space. Yes. And then the fa- – and then – so I was a participant both of those years, and then I did – small group leader senior year and that was a whole different side of the thing and uh, that retreat we had at Flossmer Community Church that was a lot of fun yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah, like we bought an obscene amount of junk food for everybody (laughs) and uh, yeah I mean it was just it was great to just like because it was like you know the greatest thing about Snowball is that it's just such a diverse array of people and all like social boundaries just get demolished and you just find yourself connecting with people you wouldn't have you didn't think you would have had anything in common with yes and um and that was really awesome to see and uh, awesome to be a part of and then uh, you know the actual weekend was it was great although a community was going through some rough times that year because that was the year when there were a lot of deaths in the community. Um, So, I mean, there, there were certainly uh, warranted periods of heaviness. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I never did it beyond that, but yeah, I mean, overall, like snowball was, it was an experience that like, I feel like kind of early on taught the values of like throwing any concept you have of like social boundaries or clicks or um, otherwise like pretenses about like where you belong yeah. it throws all of that away and uh, I've lived by those principles to this day very much so like yeah. I even like um like I never really felt like I had a true friend group in college mm -hmm. or high school really but especially not in college where it was kind of just like you know if if I if I if we get along like if I fuck with you you know, like, I want you to, I'll keep you around, you know, and like, I don't care what your hobbies are, as yeah. long as like, you're, you know, easy to get along with, and uh, um, just like, as long as you're uh, respectful and a, a person with dignity and whatever, like, like, it's easy for me to see the good in people. And I, I think for a long time, I, I was always seeing the bad in people. Like before I went to snowball, I saw a lot of bad in everyone around me. I'm like, man, like everyone sucks and everyone is like so mean and shitty and cruel and the world is this cold place. But then once I went to snowball, I'm like, no, actually like people are all for the most part are very kind and genuine people at heart or like they mean well, but they're scared and confused and insecure just like I am. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we're all just people. Yeah. And, the day. and I think and, Snowball did a great job of like highlighting that. Like not only was it this place for everybody to come together and to connect, but they did that through breaking us out of our shell, like forcing us to do absurd, ridiculous, silly things like dance in front of crowds and join the dance circles and just do things that you wouldn't have done if it was not in this setting. And it just, it did such a phenomenal job of like, just come as you are, show up with everything that you have and it will be okay. You know, because, because we're all here. Like what I, what I kind of said earlier, like what were the things that might be happening around us or to us may not be okay. There are many things that happen in this world. Again, 2020 has done a very good job of highlighting that, that there are so many things that happen that are not okay. In 2020, we've kind of been able to see that from a, a zoom out perspective of there are many things all over the world that are going on. But before 2020, maybe you were feeling very alone and like, why are all these bad things happening just to me? Or like, why do I feel like they're just happening to me? Like my life is so hard. Um, so maybe the things that are going on or happening to you are not okay. But if you have the courage to have that vulnerability and to come together with a group of people, then it will be okay. Yeah. Right. Like, okay. We can't, yeah. we can't do it alone. Dude, totally. Like say what's up. You know, if you're having a really horrible time, like, you know, you're in a safe space to share yeah. your, to share your traumas or your, the, what you're unpacking right now or yeah. what, what you're feeling 
lot of like uh, unacknowledged like feelings or something like that. Things you've been holding back. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Like, and that made it, it. It was okay for everybody, you know. Like, and being a small group leader, like when you're actually, like, you have the responsibility of like, you know, hearing people out and who they really truly are over the course of the weekend and uh, you do like it it kind of reminds me of the scene in the breakfast club where they're all sitting in the uh, library obviously without all of the um the 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 move the cinematic tropes of tension and whatever right. but it does remind me of like when we're all just sitting everyone's just sitting around and pouring their hearts and talking about like yeah, you know what, like, I am, I do think, I, I am, I do care what people think of me, or, you know, like, I do care, like, to a certain extent, right, or, like, you know, my parents, like, hold me to this standard that just isn't me, um, you know, like, right in the chest, yeah, oh, yeah, I will, like, I wouldn't give back for anything, the experience of, you know, all those great it's, years of, yeah, like, it is a very magical weekend, but, yeah. so, that all being said, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 pro, the program and the way it's run is not without its flaws, hmm. and kind of what you're saying um, about the, you, like, were brutally honest on your application of, like, what you partake in, like, in your social life and whatever, so, if you remember, this was a huge issue with one of my be- one of my best friends getting booted off of small group staff mm-hmm. our senior year. He got accepted as a small group leader, and then he was removed like pretty much instantly because there was word that he like had a past. But and that crushed him. And yeah. I was, I mean, he's my best friend, so like obviously I care a lot about him and. Uh, like, I wanted him to be a part of this, too, because, like, I know, like, he would have benefited so much from the experience, but, you know. He could bring that energy of, like, whatever, whatever you're bringing to the table, it's okay, right. Kate. Let's yeah. Let's get into it. Oh. All of the things. Well, right. And uh, just from hearsay, like, mm-hmm. he was... He was removed. And uh, that, honestly, I mean, that kind of, like... It made us go, like... Like, just raise an eyebrow at Snowball. Yeah, like, I mean, it, you know, yeah. This like, is a community of caring and ex- acceptance and hearing people out. and Right. I'd be lying. Staff members? Yeah, I'd be lying if, like I said, it didn't, like, kind of put a dent in my perception mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the politics of the whole thing. Oh, and yeah. That, yeah, and, uh, and I'm not alone in that. I mean, most people that were part of staff were also pretty frustrated with that decision and uh, you know and that kind of and that does play into what your experience ultimately was too is that like as great and accepting as a program like snowball is like there's still like this elitism that is pervasive in the selection of like who gets to be a part of it and it's like you think about you think about like right now, you know, as we've, we're obviously older now and we understand social issues, we understand marginalized communities, we understand 
like dialogues and whatever. We understand all those things that we're talking about gatekeeping. You know, we're talking about like, oh, you know, you're not, you're not like oppressed enough to be, to be, to like be a part of this conversation and like. Yeah. Or you're just so, not enough. Whatever. Right. Right. Your, be. your experience isn't valid enough to uh, um, be a part of like what's going on here. Yeah. And uh, that is just such an, like this, this elitist, purist um, judgment to make on people, especially, especially as adult, like support staff or whatever. It's like, for one, it's like in the small groups, everyone talks about what they do anyway. So it's not like, like that trust is built and thus like you, you understand like who people really are. You'll find out, you know, most of us have had sips of alcohol before you know most of us have been curious about like of course that whole experience is like and i drank and i smoked in high school and i had to i had to conceal that side of myself just to be accepted by the snowball community and i'm yeah. not the place not that i felt that. the most acceptance it was such a ironic right. type of thing that like yeah and that's why like hide this part of myself Right, and that's why people would say Snowball's a cult, because, like, you know, there's this whole, like, you have to, like, prove your worth of purity if you want to be part of this community. But it's, like, for one, that's sort of just a direct contradiction of the whole, like, inclusivity message that Snowball conveys, you know? Yeah. It's, like, those that have had especially those that have had like trauma or otherwise like you know issues with um like family issues where yeah. like the environment just mm -hmm. might have influenced them compromised mental wellness right right you know like if you were in an environment where like you were influenced or whatever like it's, it's such an oversimplification to be like oh you've drank alcohol before like oh you don't belong yeah, there. No. <laughs> right it's like dude it's like, okay, first of all, you're kind of like, you know, setting everyone to a standard on how they're allowed to grow and cope with their own trauma or their own yeah. self-discovery, their own navigation. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, like, yeah, I drank in high school sporadically, yeah. but like, it never hurt anybody. I never yeah. hurt myself when I drank. And neither did any of my friends. Like, it's, we were still pretty responsible about it, like, for, you know, as the standard of, like, a bunch of dumb teenagers were. Like, you know, like, I mean, I never, like, drink or drive or anything, you know? Like, right, right, right. Was, yeah, and it's just kind of, like, you can't tell people how to cope with their own problems if they're not hurt. If if no one is getting hurt, if, like, if you're not hurting yourself or you're not hurting other people, exactly. you, can't, you can't tell other people how to... Uh, like whether it's recreational or because they have an underlying problem like you're kind of telling them like oh no you're a bad person because you exactly. chose to do that like and i think all this all this to say like all of this <laughs> i feel like we got really stuck on like well i, I feel really strongly i feel really strongly about it because For sure. no, it, I, it, I do it, too i played a huge a tremendous role in my life and I guess like that's one thing I want to speak to is that when I was in high school I was very much 
the, um, I was a goody two-shoe. I was a teacher's pet. I was in multiple varsity sports. I was honor roll AP student. Like I could count on one hand the number of times that I drank in high school and weed was the devil. And that was very rooted in snowball and in my personal life. My older brother got in trouble for many things. Um, when I was in high school and I guess I kind of played like the hero role. If you look up like uh, dysfunctional family roles, which is more so I think just family roles period. Um, my older brother was the scapegoat and I was very much so the hero, like on paper and this good kid and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of strived for my parents' approval in that way. Like, oh, I'm not doing those things. So approve of me, but you know, still falling short of their expectations. Um, but once I got to college, I was also introduced to marijuana and I, you know, from the day I was introduced to it, I never looked back. <laughs> um, and I think the, the hate for substance use in the snowball, pro snowball program, which was very, you know, I was so invested in it. Um, I think the the hate for it and the non-acceptance the zero tolerance policy for any of any of it if i would have stayed on that road if i would have you know stayed with snowball and stayed on the you know i'm not drinking not smoking road i would i i wouldn't be who i am today and that's you know i believe you know everything that has happened in our path has led us to be exactly who we are today um and i think that the whole notion of them being zero tolerance policy on it all, like you were saying, is wildly invalidating. Um, but it also helped open up a door of acceptance, not just to myself, but to everybody else as well. Because, you know, with those roots when I was in high school of like, oh, people who drink and smoke are bad, like, that was compromising a lot of a lot of the ways that I was interacting with people um, and being able to have my own lived experience with it and knowing what I was using it for, whether it was just for fun or to escape whatever mindset that I was in, not saying that that's what should be done or is what is healthy. It's just human experience. So I feel like if I had stayed with this, this idea that people who do that are bad, I, I wouldn't be able to be the, the therapist that I am today. That is like, come, come to me as you are. Like, I'm not here to tell you, even if you're underage or whatever it might be that you're using these types of things to cope. I'm not here to tell you, stop using those things to cope. Like I'm here to figure out why the coping needs to be done in the first That's place. Right. Exactly, Laura. Yeah, you exactly. hit the nail right on the head is going back to like, not like attacking the symptom, but a, a attack the root cause of like, why exactly. is this habit here in the first place? Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, like, I mean, when I drank or smoked or whatever in high school, I mean, for one, I hated smoking weed. Like I get paralyzing anxiety from it. I haven't touched it in six years, but a lot of like the drinking, most people don't like alcohol in high school. A lot of it is mostly just like, you know, the whole, yeah, it's, it's the whole rebel complex of like, yeah. we're not supposed to be yeah. doing this and that's why it's fun. 
Exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah. Like I didn't like beer until I got to high school. Excuse me. Got to college. Yeah, um, until I went to high school. Age 14. <laughs> I enjoyed myself and I was coarse. <laughs> oh, hell no. We were, we were drinking, mostly it was Bush or Budweiser. Ah, Bush latte. Was, <laughs> Bush lattes, right. But right. yeah, it's like the, the whole idea is to not like, you know, demonize those that do partake in substance exactly. use, but to understand like what is like what led you to want to partake in this anyway or what made you feel like this was the answer yeah and, and i do think like the message of knowing the limit is important because right. i remember uh i had my own struggles with and continue to have my own struggles with anxiety and depression um that really kick-started itself my senior year of high school and then moved into my my entire college experience and there was a time when i was in college that there were not times that i was not high like i was showing up to class high there were times that i would miss class because i was high there were you know I'd, I'd show up to work high like before anything i i was smoking because i had this idea of like oh i'm not going to be able to handle this like maybe if i have this thing but i can relate with what you said on like weed does for me it's 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 sometimes more time more often than i currently would would like to admit um where it does it just like puts me into this anxious state of mind of being hyper internalized like my brain is always like at a hundred miles an hour um and i feel like the presence of marijuana like just focuses me on one track but that doesn't slow down that track so it's working 100 miles an hour on one thing um and mostly that thing is like just me beating myself up internally for you know the way that something went or the, for the way that i think one thing is gonna go or whatever it might be yeah. um but there is you know like it also has the presence of substances again not saying that they're a healthy thing to use the presence of them has facilitated some of the most meaningful conversations and relationships yeah. that I have ever had in my life. Right. And that's oh, yeah. not to say that it was like, I was friends with these people because we were smoking weed and drinking or anything. It was just like, yeah, like there is no harm in hanging out with your friends at the end of the day and smoking a blunt and being like, or cracking a beer and just talking about all the shit that's going on in life or not even the shit that's going on in life, the shit that's going on in your brain, which may be very not rooted in reality or maybe half rooted in reality. And just, it, it was a vehicle into these conversations, which I think is a reason that people end up becoming um, not, I, I don't want to use the word addicted, but they, they become fond of these substances because it is like a, a social lubricant. And we yeah, as well, humans, I think are very much so tribe animals. Like we thrive in our experiences when we can share them with someone else, whether that's in the moment, we're sharing a really good time with somebody or after the fact, and we can just share a similar mindset or a similar experience with each other and be able to talk about it in a way that is is healing. I really believe that like 
connecting with our emotions and being able to process our emotions is the way of healing. I have these, you know, my own um, personal career goals look something along the lines of opening like a center of healing and that being rooted in just the idea that, you know, we speak a whole bunch of different languages, not just like, you know, English, Spanish, Portuguese, like whatever it might be, but also like the language that I speak as a white privileged woman, <laughs> not just privileged because of, because of the fact that I'm white, but because my family was pretty well off. Like I, I have a lot of, of privilege in my life, um, which also come, like I have my own mindset of what my trauma was and what my hardships were and continue to be, you know? Um, but the thing is like we as humans, we have this ability to connect with each other and that connection in itself is healing. So I have dreams of one day, just, just creating this space of whatever it is that you need, whoever it is that you are, like come to this place and find what your healing language is because we as humans can do that. And there's this idea of like shunning the, the negative emotions. I prefer to call them uncomfortable emotions because if we label them as right or wrong or good or bad, then we will judge ourselves for having bad emotions. So there are many emotions that are just uncomfortable that we try our hardest to, to not feel because of the fact that they're uncomfortable. So we try to limit those emotions. And I think that through that, we're really like, as a collective, limiting our own evolution as a humankind. Like, because of our emotions, we are able to understand things in ways that are not just one plus two equals three. Like, there's a gray space in there. There's the plus sign in there. It's like, okay, what does that plus sign mean? What does that gray space mean between these things that are actually factual and the things that are just happening because those facts are factual. And when we don't allow for the space for whatever response that you're having to whatever is going on, I recently heard something um, on, I, I hate the term mental disorder. I hate it with a passion. I cannot stand it because I think it's very blaming. I think it makes the person who is diagnosed like, it gives them the sense of like, okay, well, what's wrong is what's wrong with you and you need to be able to figure it out and manage it. Recently, I heard a different um, take on the word uh, mental disorder or diagnosis or whatever it might be as a trauma response. And now I think trauma is very, and pain is very relative to each person. No, no two people feel any two emotions in the same way and that includes pain. And because of that, like trauma is also very relative and trauma is just anything that, that made you think even for one second that your safety, whatever you consider safety. So maybe your, your physicality of here being alive, I guess that's the most like traumatic thing. If you're, if you're, if, if your safety of being alive was threatened at any extent, that was traumatic, but your safety in being accepted in, in, I guess that kind of umbrellas the whole other side of it besides being alive, of just being accepted for whatever it is that is happening or someone else that you care about deeply and love, that is a traumatic 
experience and that you know kind of puts a stint in your brain of like whoa i have to i have to make sure that i'm i'm prepared for if that happens again because i was so unprepared for the first time that it happened um so not so much judging like like we keep saying the the symptoms of it and what comes as a as a response to this but getting down to the root of it and sharing those st stories with each other i think there's so much power in storytelling oh, and it, yeah it it has in the past been such a wonderful magical art um and i think with social media and social norms and everything that has kind of gotten lost but thankfully we as humans are we're still able to connect with it and in, in, yeah. in many ways for sure yeah for sure. yeah um only so um only for the sake of time um yeah. i um I do want to acknowledge, I do want to like emphasize that like, this is not like a, you know, malicious attack on the program of Snowball itself. It's just simply, it's- I love Snowball, I love Snowball. Right, it's and I love it too. I am at my core. And it's, yeah. who, it's, it's the Snowball that I experienced at my core. Just that right. overall acceptance of like, you are enough. It, in, in the sense of being enough, like you are human, you have a story to tell, and there are people here that want to listen to it and want to be your friend and just want to accept right. you. I just think that like, who you are. yeah, exactly. Like, I just think, you know, I just, I hope that those that organize and uh, facilitate the program just really try to evaluate like, you know, the place that each participant or leader in the program is coming from and recognizing that like, it's not an inherently like, um, it, it's, it's not an inherent bad deed to, uh, you know, to engage with substances. If you feel that like that is what allows you to, you know, make yourself more comfortable with, with your surroundings as long as like you know it's not an out of control habit as long as it's just you're not hurting yourself or as long as it's not like you know something that inhibits your ability to like actually like carry out day-to-day -day activities then like it shouldn't be evaluated your your um your role as um as a participant or leader in the program should not be evaluated using that strictly that mantra and exactly. or in, um, life, in jobs in relationships right. oh yeah yeah i i i think i mean i personally think professionalism is an entirely it's it's a social construct rooted in classism but that's yeah. for another day um right. <laughs> The last question or last thing I wanted to talk about was how, as you mentioned, you know, you are a therapist, you went to school in psychology. Um, so you snowball kind of like inspired your uh, pursuit of this line of work. Yes. Very much so. Yes. For me, I guess, um, I don't know if it was my own mindset or my relationship with my parents or my parents relationship with other parents in the community 
whatever it, it may have been. And I, I, you know, the story I've told myself forever was that it was me. I was the one with the, the issue or whatever. I just felt very, like you said earlier, um, you felt like there wasn't like a specific group that you really like fit in with. Yeah. And um, I, to this day, have very true friends from high school um, that are, will forever be my, my very best friends. Um, and, you know, like, Snowball was my first introduction to just being accepted for who I was. And knowing the power of that simply because I felt it. I knew because I had lived it and experienced it that being validated by other humans, while we shouldn't, you know, like base our lives on the judgment of others, it's very much so not the, the, the goal here, um, but also how crucial it is to human existence to be validated by others and that's not necessarily to be said to like be directly told like oh you're funny you're cute you're smart whatever it might be but the just sharing experiences with people um sharing you know wh whether that experience be you know like i said earlier like dancing like a fool in front of everybody or just having a meaningful conversation with someone that too is an experience and maybe it was about a past experience. Um, Snowball just did a really good job of introducing me to that notion of it. Just that idea of like how powerful human connection truly is. And I'm so thankful for the job that I have right now because you know, as I'm leading this intensive outpatient program and I have my own individual caseload and I'm very much so social worker brain, um, I also have total clinical freedom and I am allowed to lead the group in whatever way that I feel like will be the most beneficial for the, the members of the group. Um, so we, in group, we, not only do we process through some of the things that are going on in our life and learning coping skills and stuff like that, but we also, I do my best, the whole Zoom thing and telehealth has put a, a big uh, speed bump in it yeah. that I've had to adapt to of just feeling that atmosphere of like, no, like since we're in this atmosphere, we can really connect with ourselves and connect with each other and it can all be good even if the emotions are heavy we can share those together and because they're shared that creates a new emotion of acceptance and everything um so snowball was very introductory to me um for like i'm saying like the power of human connection and the power of being connected to yourself um and I also was an athlete all growing up and snowball is very team oriented. It's like, okay, we as small group leaders or as directors or whatever it might be, like we're in this together so that we can make this happen for other people. Um, so just, I feel like everything I do is just very rooted in, in that, in, in that sacred space of shared space. And we are not meant to go through this alone. There are many things that we attempt to go through alone and, and we do successfully go through alone, yeah. whether, whether that's like not letting someone know a full truth 
or maybe we don't let someone know about it at all. Right. Um, but just this idea of, and I also think it was very um, influential in my own spiritual journey. Um, I wasn't raised um, believing in any type of God. I was born a Mormon, which is like a very strict religion. Um, okay. And at the age of like seven or eight, my parents ended up leaving the church because on, you know, on Sunday, one day, coming home from church, I'm crying in the car. I don't even remember this. My mom tells the story very well. Um, and I was crying because most of the kids that I was friends with at the time were Catholic. And I was crying because we had learned that day that anybody who isn't Mormon isn't going to heaven. Oh, man. And I was torn apart by that, I guess. And my parents were like, we can't teach our kids to to believe that like we refuse to teach our kids that some of the people that we know as the best people are going to go to hell um so i've had a lot of flexibility in my own life to connect to whatever i possibly can um and just this this idea of um you know just facil facilitating human connection in whatever possible way I can, whether that's through a meaningful conversation or through a silly moment or, or through, you know, processing some anger or tough situations or whatever it might be. Um, I feel like, just like I said earlier, like every experience that I have had, including the moments that I have been accepted and rejected by the people and the things that mean the most in life to me has led me exactly to where I am. And I'm very happy with, with where I am at yeah. in life. Hell A lot yeah. of my spirituality is rooted in that. Just like, yeah. it's this space between people and between ourselves and between the sun and the stars and the earth and everything, just exactly where we are is maybe not exactly where we're meant to be, but all the things that have led up to it are exactly why we are here. And we have the power to change it if we do not like it. Sure. And I feel like that is the most easily changed if we have the people, the right people around us supporting us through that journey. So everything I think is very much so all about ourselves. We have to be at terms with ourselves before we um, aspire to have these connections with other people, but it's also very equal in the sense of like, I wouldn't have the relationship with myself today if I did not have the incredibly supportive and accepting and loving people that I have in my life totally. as well. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Laura, so yes. much for sharing that. And I think that such a profoundly like self-aware and, um, and conscious mindset um, is most ideal for someone in your role, like being a therapist and, you know, um, facilitating these conversations with those that are still working themselves through, you know, such um, issues or trials or, you know, tribulations, whatever you call them. And um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate those sentiments a lot and uh, relate a lot of it, relate to a lot of it as well. Um, thank you, Laura, for being on the show tonight. Um, for the sake of time, um, yes. I, uh, I know, I, we could talk about this for all For night. days, forever, honestly. Oh, for real, yeah. So, um, 
but this was a wonderful place to start. And sure. um, my closing questions I ask everybody, mm -hmm. Laura, what keeps you up at night? Oh, what keeps me up at night? Oh man, it depends on the day. Sometimes it's patients wondering like if they're alive, wondering if they're okay, wondering if, if what I did was enough for them. Um, and I guess that's a good way to just kind of umbrella it all together. Um, I think one of the things that keeps me up at night, or I guess the root of what keeps me up at night the most is just that, that question of, am I enough? Yeah. Is what I, is what I am, what I did, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. Is yeah. it, was it, will it be enough? That is an insidious question that mm -hmm. I think many of us ask. Um, mm -hmm. No matter, no matter how much we've, um, you know, how far we've come with, you know, those daily hassles, hassles, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. What puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Um, stressing myself out to the point that I am exhausted. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Only on some nights. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one of the things that helps me sleep at night is knowing that I do have this unconditional surrounding of love with the people in my life it doesn't matter how many people that is or who it's coming from i at the end of the day can anchor myself on being loved by somebody who isn't myself because <laughs> through all those trials and tribulations of wondering if i'm enough and that's been something i've been dealing with my my whole life and it, it's it, you know finds its way of showing up in new ways every single day right. um the thing that helps me my me sleep the most at night is the people who have you know just remembering the people and the connection i have with those people um who have helped me through that journey and also this relatively new connection that I have with myself and being able to tell myself that I am okay and things are okay and whatever I'm experiencing is okay. And I indeed, if I don't believe the work that I'm putting out is enough, the effort that I am putting into every area of my life is enough. I believe that everybody is always doing the best they can at any given moment. And I must offer myself the same grace that I offer other people. So self-love helps me sleep at night. Well, well articulated, Laura. Thank you again so much for being on the show. Yes, thank you, Ben, for having me. It's been a joy to catch oh, up and talk about all the such, things. Such a joy yeah. to share space with you. Um, and also just, yeah, great to uh, remain in touch after all these years. Yeah. yeah. Um, certainly. Um, Absolutely. yeah, so shout out to Snowball for sure. And, uh, <laughs> what's that? Shout out Bob Comstock. Oh, total shout out to Bob. And, uh, um, also just shout out to everyone, um, finding their own way through, you know, this, uh, continued and enduring, uh, year that has been full of so much unprecedented, horrible things and tragedies and um everyone is going everyone's going through it to some degree and uh you know we are we are better together as a community that is built on empathy and love and togetherness and we will get through it together thank you for watching mr nice guy absolutely
We'll see you next time.